Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I've got a new beer, guys. You're joking, aren't you? Eh? You've got a new beer? Elliot's got a new beer. What's it like? Great. I got eight free beers from our friends at Beer 52 and an extra two for being a Borough Breakdown listener. I don't believe you. No, I'm serious. They're the world's largest craft beer club with beers from all over the world. You're joining the monthly club but can cancel at any time. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash borough to get your free case now with a four ninety five postage. What? So all you have to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash borough and get a free case and only pay for the packaging. Yeah, that's it, mate. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown podcast, live on Red Army Radio and other podcast apps. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Johnny, and with Dana and Elliot, and the Borough have just lost 3-0 at home to Swansea, 103 days after the win at Charlton. And well, before we go into that nightmare of performance, I just want to do a little push for a previous pod. Um, it's a podcast with Craig Harrison. If you haven't listened to that podcast yet, you really need to listen to it. It's probably one of our best podcasts we've done. Um, Craig opens up about his career and um, his mental health and where his management skills are and how, where he's going to progress in his career. It's really interesting. I would definitely give it a, a listen after this one. And also, if you haven't given us five star rating on the podcast apps, do so because it helps us get charged, but also helps other Borough fans essentially find us. But anyway, the selfless podcast push is done. We can chat about this. Um, 3-0 at an empty Riverside. And I think it's quite fortunate that it was an empty Riverside. 3-0 down, Dana. After fifth, after well, after half an hour, it could have been five. Um, what can you put that first half performance down to? Individual mistakes, legginess, lack of quality, mixed in with a lack of fitness. I mean, it was bad. Um, and I think to say it was bad is pretty much an understatement. But if I'm being honest, I can't come on here and say that I'm disappointed because that would indicate that I had a glimmer of hope. I think we all said that, you know, Swansea were going to beat us. Um, I think, didn't we all say 3-1? Yeah. 
said 2-1. Uh, one, two, one. Oh, I think we all said that Borough would score. I think we were a, a bit generous there. But no, I, I can't say I'm disappointed because it was an outcome that I expected. Um, as soon as I saw the team, I thought, right, well, we've lost this game. Because, uh, you know, you're looking at our, our bench and that bench was better than the team that we put out. I think we put out by far our worst attack. The players looked like they hadn't played football in their lives, never mind in the last three months. Um, and the best part of the game was that advertising hoarding message that we had around the <laughs> riverside, which pretty much sums it up. Unfortunately for Jed, he didn't score, so we're not going to Manjaro's tonight. However, I'm willing I'm willing to push this until the end of the season or for as long as Jed Spence plays for us. You know, if Jed scores, we go to Manjaro's. I, ho- I hope he's seen it. I, I know. That, I, think I, that, I really do. Yeah, I think I'd like to spur him on um, if he's seen it. So, Well, do you know when he broke through towards, like, in, in the second half? In the, he broke through yeah. and he looked like he was going to strike and then the bottle just went behind him a little bit. I thought, oh my God, he's going to score. He's going to score. We're going to Manjaro's. I, I, I was waiting for him to score. I felt like it was written in the stars at one point, but then I remembered that we support Middlesbrough and nothing's ever written in the stars. Yeah, that's that's true. And I think, like, I, I'm going to probably come on to Jed Spence in, in a little bit, but thanks to Skybet anyway for, like, pushing the, the little tweet and give us a little podcast boost there as well. So that was a absolute dream. But else, 4-3-3 formation. At the start of the season, that was a formation that was essentially we got punished by teams. We got we got caught up, and Wing didn't have that positional play. McNair wasn't as as clinical as he has been when he was in more of like a five. Um, we a little bit, and Ian Smith has sent us a question anyway. But we were a little bit baffled by the, the formation and the way we set up as well, especially putting friend in left back. For so how many times have we spoke about friend yeah. not having the legs for left back as well? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was a, a bit surprised by it. I mean, I think when we when we spoke about this game, we were obviously saying, "Look, it doesn't really matter what the um, formation is, I guess, because we could have went with anything. We've chopped and changed so much this season, but I feel like we've just got to have one and stick with it." Um, so obviously, you're saying there we started with that, but then we we changed again mid game, and you think, "How can we still not know what we're good at?" Unless that's just the answer to that is just nothing. But it's just. I just don't get it at this point. Um, he's clearly, I think Jonathan will get is clearly out of his depth if he doesn't know how to get the best out of the squad of players. Um, if you think about the transfers, even that have been brought in out of a total of eight, is it? You know, two of them are back out on loan. One's a third choice keeper. Um, you know, we've, we've signed two keepers in general there. Um, there's just not, there's not, Anything going on with with the tactics or formations? Just we'll we'll just throw everyone whoever looks half decent in training, um, and it's just kind of hit and hope. You've seen the difference in Swansea today. They had a very similar setup, and I know the um, BBC um, T's commentary team were saying how well organised and how efficient Swansea were. They they were all sticking to the positions very well when they were attacking. They were all linking up very well. When we attack, our formation just becomes so disjointed. We had. Adam Clayton, like, left back. And I was like, what? what is going on? Um, so, yeah, I do just, um, from initially looking at the, the formation to begin with, um, I think it was wrong. Um, and I can't see where we would even go to put it right. There's obviously a few standout names that we mentioned who should be in there from the start and I think just should play every minute throughout. Um, 
you know, if they're fit, people like Roberts, um, Spence, Coulson. I don't need to say much for anyone else. Maybe a few others where you'd think play 75% of the games. But some people just aren't championship quality. Um, I'm sorry, people like Lewis Wing um, isn't good enough at this level. Um, Friend isn't anymore. Uh, Nemecha isn't. So, yeah, I'm lost for words, pretty much. So, Well, well normally you get uh, 24 hours more to, to digest it. Yeah, but since course, yeah. we're um we're doing it a little bit sooner, it's uh it's it's quite raw the the emotion. But we've been we've been three 0 down after thirty minutes. It could have been five, and it should have been five. The tweet I put up, I think, prior to the first goal, I think it was like five minutes prior, was I can't believe we're not two 0 down here. And then next thing you know, we are two 0 down. Um, <laughs> But, yes, you are the host of the Borough Breakdown Cursed podcast. Well, I am, and to be honest, ever since we've started this podcast, we went downhill. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a curse, to be honest, but the only way is up, I think. Um, but my question was going to be to you, Dana. You're 3-0 down at half-time, could be 5. What do you say to the team if you're the manager? <sighs> sort yourselves out I think that's basically the the general gist of it I mean I could not believe the amount of gaps that were in that defense mm. it was just it was unbelievable if you watch um Ryan Brewster's first goal yeah. it was a straight run into the box mm. completely unmarked I don't know who was supposed to be marketing but whoever it was they were in a different planet it was, it was so easy, just so it? easy. yeah just like literally Butter through a knife, butter yeah. through a knife, knife through butter. It was just unbelievable the way that they just exposed our uh, defense and and just exploited the the gaps in behind. And oh god, I, to be honest, I I don't know what what I could have said to them other than sort yourselves out. If I was Jonathan Woodgate, because that was a really really abject performance. Mm. Well, it's funny you mentioned the, the, the three goals uh, when I was watching the game. I've, I've broke the three goals down and I thought it'd be, it'd be a perfect time for me to actually do this because the first goal, um, Kalu does very, very well to, to pull the defender away. I think it was Dale, no, it was Dale Fry, I believe, that was, was trying to pull it away. Um, yeah. And the Rian Brewster run, um, if you watch the goal back, um, there was the angle from, it was behind the goal from the north stand. You, what you see is Clayton's chasing Ryan Brewster. Brewster keeps running. Clayton stops. And I think Clayton's trying to anticipate Ryan not getting the ball. Um, but I think a player with Ryan's quality and where he's progressing at Liverpool now, he's going to be a fox in the box. He's going to be getting in, in and around the six-yard box. You know, you've got to mark him there. It's a simple mistake where people just switched off. And the easy thing you can say is, well, oh, we've been off for 100 odd days. Well, really, no. I think it's it's very much basic. You don't switch off when you're in a game. Yes, it's very difficult not to, but, you know, it, we did switch off there. The second one, I think it's a great finish um, by Brewster again, to be honest. I think it's, you know, the way he's came back and, and volleyed it in, um, I think it's a good finish. But I think when you're looking at the, the breakdown of, of, of the play, the cross could be stopped. And Shotton looks a bit, doesn't know where he is either. For me, that's a sign of a really, really good striker. Um, and I think he's going to really progress over the next year or two, hopefully. Hope, hopefully he doesn't do a Dominic Solanke, but I really hope he progresses. And the third one, 
Friends us the wrong side. It, it's it's just stupid. You've got to just let him have a shot there. I think he was he was going Norway. He's got Fry on his on his uh on the striker's left, and Friend just tries to step in. He tries to steal the ball, gets his man, and that just shows ru- rust in run him, and it shows that he's off the pace again. And for me, all three goals there are preventable, and every goal should be preventable. But there weren't like strikes where Stojanovic should have saved them. Stojanovic hasn't had a chance at all three of them, really, to be honest. Like the first, I think he could have maybe done a little bit better than the first, with the first one. I think There's a slight criticism there. Yeah. Yeah, I think with yeah. that, but should it's difficult because he's so close to him and the way the pace of the ball, it's very difficult for him to get that thing. But yeah, he could have closed. He could have closed his legs there, but it's it's just a comedy of errors, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's one of those. It could have been stopped before it got to Stojanovic. Anyway, I still think he he probably could have done a bit better with it. But like you mentioned, Johnny, it was um, I I you with the um, the lead up to the goal. It was just it was far too easy. Um, and Dale Fry should have stepped out um, a lot sooner. So, yeah, and I think I've seen um, it's my little rant of of the podcast, but I've seen uh, Roy Keane's video yesterday, um, and if, I think Roy Keane's videos obviously it went viral a little bit, didn't it? Where yeah. he started slagging De Gea and Maguire off, and people are rinsing him for that. But I think Roy Keane is absolutely spot on for what he's saying. Then. The culture at Manchester United at the time was very, very elite. You know, it was that if we win, okay, what's next? Um, if we lose, how can we put it right? Put it, put it right. Sorry, um, the won the League Cup and no one celebrated with the trophy, and that's like the mentality they instilled. So when he sees performance like when you put, and he's like, well, yeah, he's going to probably see that. But for Bora, I don't think we have that mentality then. If I was Woodgate at the half time, that I think every player in that dressing room was probably fortunate not to be pulled. It was just everyone was poor. There was like no like performance out of ten. I think everyone was really, really off the boil. And for me, I think I'm a little bit worried now. And where we're going to end the season. Um, Ian Smith, the second part of his question was, um, after we've watched that, are you now more worried than you were? Um, Els, how worried are you now? Is relegation pretty much inevitable or can we claw our way out with this yeah um i think before it i was i was slightly worried and and part of me had this sort of bias to not want the season to come back almost and, and just kind of end it so we could survive um i was a little bit optimistic sort of over the last couple of days thinking you know you know maybe we can nick something um but one thing that really stuck out sort of before the game and i was kind of overthinking it was what we were saying last week about um you know, fans not being there could be a, a good thing for Borough. Mm. Um, I was thinking it, it probably makes it worse, um, in all truth, because I think without fans, there's no external factors um, that can influence a game. And it comes down to just 11 men on the pitch and their qualities. Um, and I think there's not many, uh, there's not many teams that I think were better than um, 11 v 11. So I can't, quite put my finger on um i'm really worried in all honesty that i think we're going to um to, that we're going to go down uh, i can't see where the points are going to come from uh we haven't got many sort of games left where i think yeah definite three points um we were obviously saying before about the the, the two biggest games are hull and stoke um so they're coming up um and then after that 
you're thinking, well, you've still got you still got six games to try and survive. So I think it's going to be a long, um, <laughs> a long eight games left for us. Dana, um, are you echoing what Elliot said there? Are you worried that we're probably we're very going to be very very fortunate to stay in the division this year? Oh, I think Dana's Dana's froze, but we'll carry on. Els, we'll carry on uh, for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and once once Dana comes back in in the connection, we'll uh, we'll ask her the question again. But um, from what I was going to say in George Friend's performance, we're going to put him on George Friend, and then we're going to come at the half time and go on this the second half. Else, yeah. George Friend after that performance, you can you could kind of see that after that first initial slip, you're like, oh no, here we go again. <laughs> um, do you think that? Well, can you actually offer him a, a, a playing deal now? Is it is it viable that we do that, or are you going to have to say to him, "Look, you're not going to get game time, but we want you to stay around for like the club." Is that kind yeah. of a contract you'd probably give him now, or is it something that? Well, what what can you do in that in that scenario? Yeah, it, it's tough, isn't it? Because um, I think I was I was saying um, last week that uh, you know it'd be quite hard to give. George Friend a, a contract um, and he kind of proved people right today with, with his mistakes um, it's hard because uh, you know he, he's he's a, he's a fan favourite at the club still um, he's done a lot for the club I think he's sort of still got a place and um, obviously I think the main reason we were thinking is because of this leadership void um, but how much is it how much is it worth just to have leader in the dressing room if we're going to be offering him a, a decent contract you think well couldn't we get someone else in who again has some sort of qualities like that or get someone in who's younger and maybe doesn't have those qualities and then you fill in the leaders elsewhere um i.e we maybe pick up some freeze during the transfer window um or you know the the responsibility falls on someone else's shoulders and the step up i think yeah if you're offering him a contract it can be for a lot because i don't think he's got to feature um very much um, so it, it, but it is tough. Like I say, I know that we have offered. Uh, I believe is is he one of the ones that we have offered a contract to yeah. so far? So we're offered housing, friend, um, Clayton apparently contracts. But well, we don't really know the ins and outs of it. But we do probably know that housing and friend are the most likely candidates to get a contract from us next season. Probably, I, I thought it was only housing. I wouldn't sign. I think housing, as professionally as he's probably better than. He's much better than League One has to offer. Um, he'll probably yeah. get a better deal somewhere else. He'd be a good utility player for any team in the Championship. And yeah. Friend probably could do a job in League One, but that it's but when he's getting rinsed off Wayne Routledge and Wayne Routledge is thirty six year old, that's when you know you might have to start calling it a day. To be honest, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the brutal reality of it. And maybe it's a little bit raw right now, but it's it's time where you got you got to think well. Is it is it worthwhile the deal? And well, to be fair, when I saw him in the starting lineup and I realised that he was left back, I thought we were in for a long afternoon because, mm. like you said before, we've mentioned so many times on this podcast about the fact that George Friend's legs have gone, his better days are behind him. So why did we put him left back? And especially considering the fact that you know he's been out for a considerable amount of time, you played George Friend having been out for months. But you put Patrick Roberts on the bench. That's what I don't get with the team. It's like 
Patrick Roberts, without question, is our best player. You could see that immediately when he came onto the pitch, that he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was direct, he was quick, he was tricky, he was taking the game to Swansea. And yet we have him on the bench. Like, fair mm. enough, he, he has been injured for a while. I don't think he should have played the full 90 minutes, but he should have started for me. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll come on to the second half now. The second half had to have changes. Um, because if anything, if if Woodgate put out a team that wasn't changed at the, at the start of the second half, I think he might have got screamed at by Gibson. I think he was the only fan in the stand. Um, <laughs> so he brings on Jed um, and he brings on Patrick Roberts. Now, for me, the game's dead. Um, but for for you guys, do you think Bora played a lot better second half? Do you think, or was it a case of Swansea just give up? I think they were just managing the game, weren't they? I mean, they were 3 0 yeah. up. They didn't really need to do much else other than, you know, try to retain possession, keep a clean sheet. Um, we weren't as bad as the first half, but it still wasn't great. I mean, I was looking at the uh, the stats all throughout the game. I think we had one shot on target, I believe, right at yeah, the end. Yeah, it was the 92nd minute or something, yeah. Yeah, I mean, back to normality there with that. I mean, <laughs> the That's excitement about. soon zapped. Yeah, typical Bora. I mean, it's just it, it, it's it wasn't a massive improvement, but I think the improvement in it was that it wasn't as bad or worse than the first half. Still, yeah. don't think there was any positives to take from it, though. No, that's that's the thing. Obviously, when you're saying, look, we, you can look at the stats, and um, we had 16 attempts, one on target. Swansea had 10, three on target, took all three of them. Um, and I think even if we, like, and that's the thing. Um, I listened to a bit of what Woodgate said when you, you played it just before um, the podcast, Johnny. Um, but I guess in his eyes, he's going to look and be like, "Oh, well, we, you know, we're running around creating chances, but it's it's still it's not good enough. You're not going to win football games just by you know getting a few headers to get said and go wide or Lewis Wing putting a shot wide because he, he shoots from the edge of the box anyway five times a game. Yeah, um, we've got to create clear cut chances. Um, I, I can't remember us really creating one. The only time when I thought we actually probably could was when Jed Spence got through on goal. I thought he should have played in one of the two strikers. Um, mm. But other than that, there wasn't anything to really get me off my get me off my seat. It was <laughs> there was nothing where I was thinking we're actually going to score. It was comical at times though because I think there was a moment where Paddy McNair was in the box. He could have either had a shot oh, or yeah. put it back. Yeah, and he he just like sort of shanked it over the crossbar and then there was a moment where um lewis wing has the shot which literally ends up in red car it's like you could literally make a memed compilation of borough's supposed attacks all throughout that game it was literally a comedy skit it was ridiculous well we got we got a tweet from uh the borough it again um is this the name of the account (laughs) my first answer is yes the Borat fight again. Um, <laughs> but he's, they mentioned on the, on the tweet, say, on the team selection today, how can you explain it? Was he going based on training performances and how much should training performances feasibly affect the Saturday team sheet? Um, I can answer it quite quickly. I think there's what, on, when you train really well, um, you are probably sometimes entitled to a, a place on the, <laughs> on, on the team sheet. But, Sometimes training doesn't always come into it. It comes into quality. I think Matt Letizia is a, a fine example of this, where apparently he used to be garbage at training, um, but absolutely incredible on a match day. Um, some players are incredible in training and then just really poor on a Saturday. And it's it's very, very strange to get the right balance. And 
it's very odd um, as well. But in terms of the, the, the team selection, I know you mentioned earlier, Dan, that we were pretty baffled by it and it was just we were pretty much done before the st- we even kicked off because the team was that bad. Um, I think with the Gestead thing, I, w- I could see Gestead starting. I think when you're in when you're down at the bottom, I think sometimes you just need to go direct and just try and get yourself up the pitch. And Gestead played well um, before the break that we had. And I thought, you know what, let's just, just keep going. Um, the one disappointing thing I've seen, I, I tweeted it, was not seeing Jed on the pitch. Not just because of the, the, the billboard, not because of the advertising board. You know, <laughs> yeah. He gives us pace, and we've just said about it so many times, he gives us an outlet. Him and Coulson are the outlets on that team. And then also Roberts as well. Roberts is your best player. You know, you're trying to protect him a little bit with a hamstring injury. But work. if his hamstring's really playing up all the time, work on like is like glutes and his hips and have a look where where is how his posture is you know what i mean work on his posture because that's probably how he keeps pulling it all the time um so like work work on that like you have got you've got a team or a medical team that should be spot on this but they're not and it's really frustrating for me to be honest especially with a player like him has so much quality um but anyway we'll move on um we're gonna chat about some news earlier in the week and we did an emergency little video on it and it was about danny ayala um, obviously, he's not signing a new deal with Borough and he's set to leave in the next few weeks. Um, but did today's performance, Dana, did the game show how much we could potentially miss Danny Ayala? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you usually see him marshalling that back line. And yeah, I mean, Shotton and Friend were backing out some instructions, but I think Ayala was needed in that match. Um mm. They kick shit out of them. I mean, you could imagine Ayala kicking shit out of Brewster before that run that he made into the box before the goal. You know, it's just, I mean, we are going to miss him. Uh, I know he's Marmite. You either love him or you hate him. He is our shithouse, or is for now. Um, won't be after after this month. But I, I do think we miss him. And I think that, it, you know, it's disappointing that he won't be a Middlesbrough player beyond this month because he's been part of the furniture here for you know seven years we've had him so it feels like the end of an era plus I think the most disappointing thing is the way that he seems to be bowing out with you know the cloud of accusations that the club have piled on him this week which I don't agree with. Well I was going to touch on that so I'm glad that you mentioned it Dennis it leads nice on my question for you Els and the way Ayala's going, he's not signing a new deal, and I think him not signing a new deal is not the end of the world. Um, he is sometimes an accident waiting to happen, but today's performance could say we, we could have probably needed him. But are you disappointed, Els, the way the way this has been handled, the way it was released as well by the Gazette, um, the way it's been handled on Twitter as well? Um, do you think Danny Ayala could have managed this and the club could have managed Danny Ayala leaving in a much better and more professional manner? Definitely, yeah. Um, it's again just like a lot of the other situations that have happened over the um, past couple of years. Uh, it's it's just comical again, really. Um, and yeah, it's one of those where I guess we don't know the full ins and outs, but we've still only heard the one side of it. Obviously, we've heard snippets of um, from uh, Hannah Ayala, is it, um, on on what she was. Um, saying on Instagram about you know um, their side of it and you know that they've been um, offered a contract and, and whatnot and, and things and it's just kind of like all of this comes out days before a game um, again it doesn't kind of strike confidence um, in people um, especially when 
you know, for for all that we hear from Danny Ayala is that you know he absolutely loves the area. He's lived there for seven years. We know he's. Um, I've seen myself out in in Saltburn with. I've seen him with George Friend, um, with his kids and, and George Friend's kids, and you know he's clearly got a lot of friends at the club. Um, but it's yeah, I, I, it just strikes of that you know the club is just falling apart. Um, and if you're ripping out certain parts like that, whether you you want to touch on how he plays or not, um, I think it's it was bad for the dressing room overall. Um, and however people's now feelings are towards either the manager um, or the, the rest of the sort of staff in general um, probably didn't help. Um, and, and all of these things tend to happen when you are near the bottom of the table and things aren't going your way. Uh, so again, it plays into the fact of it doesn't, it doesn't strike fans with a lot of confidence in, in staying up. Um, but I, I agree with Dana on the, on the playing side of things. Um, I think both in this division and if we went down and if he was to stay with us, we went down, he'd, he'd absolutely boss it in League One. Um, today, I thought, who knows, I, I think we might still have got beat today, but I think there's, there were certain um, parts of the game today where Ayala would have handled it a lot better. Um, in the first two chances before they actually did score, um, there was just no sense of urgency after it. Rian Brewster headed the ball wide from about two yards, I don't know how he missed that one. Um, and it was just like, the team was just stood around as if like, oh, we need to do a bit better, lads. It wasn't like someone really galvanising the team, being like, how the hell did we let him get there and almost score? We need to book up our ideas right now. It was like, they were just kind of like, oh, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't let that happen again, lads. And two <laughs> minutes later or whatever it was, they scored. Um, and that's that's the leadership void again, what we were talking about. So, mm. yeah, I feel like we do need some sort of Roy Keane-esque player someone who's like not afraid to kick the shit out of people um and let people know that they're there and but also lead in the dressing room as well and sometimes people can be scared of the captain and that's probably some of the best things you can ever do it sometimes it feels a little bit too nicey nice and i think with, with woodgate coming in um as well from getting promoted from a coach to a manager it can be quite difficult because you are make as a coach you, you get the bond with the players and you keep the manager separate. And sometimes when your friend becomes a manager, it can be very difficult to take on what he's saying and, and take it with, like, or, if, or take criticism well, you know what I mean? Or do you take it seriously? And I'm going to pull pull, pull on a question here from Rob Lindsay, and he said, should Middlesbrough look towards an emergency appointment uh, for the end of the season? Do you think Jonathan Woodgate's time's come to an end? Would you end it now, or would you let it run to the end of the season? And, and if you would let him go, who would you bring in? Oh, I know people will passionately disagree with this, but I would keep I would keep him. Honestly, I think we've had too much change over the past few years. I think three managers in three years, a, a complete clusterfuck of uh, players from different eras, um, different styles of play. I think if you were to the only way that I could see that being plausible and a good idea is if the manager that we bring in for the end of the season is the manager for the next season and beyond. Because this, you know, chopping and changing and quick turnaround of players and managers, I just don't think that it's a good route to go down. I mean, let's be honest, the current route that we're going down isn't great either, but I, I don't personally think that that would solve our issues. Yeah, I think as well. Um, yeah, it, I think there's no point now. 
without games left. I think if it was going to happen, there's many, many periods throughout the season where it, it could have happened um, and perhaps maybe should have happened. But um, yeah, if if you were going to do it, it it's not going to happen now. Um, there's been a hundred day break before all of this. Um, and if Steve Gibson was going to pull the trigger, <laughs> he'd have likely done it then, um, just like Luton did pretty much. Um, so I, I, I don't even think it would change a whole lot. I think this... Um, new manager bounce thing as well I'm kind of saying it's a myth or anything but I don't think it would have all that much of an effect right now um, on the players, I think that the quality is just not there from a, a good majority of them um, and there's not a right balance of, of anything, um, so whether that be quality in terms of actual playing but um, leadership skills um, and then just general coaching skills from from the coaching team themselves, um, who we've spoke about regularly as well. We don't even think that um, the coaching team is good enough. So all of that in one, um, I can't see bringing a new manager in would affect it all that much, to be honest. Um, and even if it did, we're going to need we're going to need quite a few points to stay up by the looks of things, judging by some of the scores as well currently um, happening in the championship. So. Um, for me, I'd probably say no, um, and I think I, I don't think Steve Gibson um, will pull the trigger either. Okay, okay, that, that's fair enough, and we'll we'll slowly move on towards Borough's next game in a second. Uh, it's one probably real point I think I, was, I wanted to make um, from what you've both mentioned there. I think the way that everything's structured at the minute. It seems very dark and, and, and gloomy, and we don't look like there's there's any way to turn. And you got to say, well, whose fault is these performances? Is it the managers? Is it the team? I think when you look at the the whole group in general, I think when you win and you lose, it's a real team effort, and I think everyone's to blame in terms of performances and the way this season has gone. I think the, when you mention quality, I think when we look at last year and you look under Tony Pulis a good crop of that team that we've got now, a good three quarters, 80, 90% of that team is still Tony Pulis side. Um, and we were heading towards the playoffs with that team. Yeah. We, we fell away and it, it wasn't I think, great. Uh, I think that was more a case of he, he was pragmatic um, and he, he did what he could with that team. And looking back now, and I don't think any of us would ever think that's the way forward. Um, but I do think, it, it's one of those with Pulis we can kind of look back now and think oh wow he, he must have done a great job to get it out of these these players and he probably did he probably did a good job under the circumstances but overall he wasn't one to kind of take the club forward but um, yeah I know what you're saying that they are kind of largely the same team but I think without a, an experienced manager like a Tony Pulis um, Neil Warnock type thing this is where it was always going to go, I think, yeah. unfortunately, especially a year on with some of the players as well, like we've mentioned with Clayton and Friend and um, people like that. So, I think if we if we're going to keep Woodgate, um, you're going to have to give him three years now. I think there's, and, and that sounds crazy for me to say that, given he's got the worst win percentage rate of any Middlesbrough manager in history. And if we are going to do that. It's going. We're going to have to. We're going to have to need a, a major overhaul. And I think at the minute, what we're trying to do, and I think what we'll get trying to install, is get up the pitch quickly, and essentially try and score. You know what we've got is that we're second highest in terms of like, um, like shortest passes to goal. Um, and I think I can understand where he's trying to come from. Trying to play counter-attacking football, but one we don't have the pace to do it, so it's quite difficult. Um, 
two, if we were to try and play that style of football, we need someone who can dictate the play. Um, a little, obviously, Clayton does it at times, um, but when teams sit in and say, okay, go on, go on and try and counter-attack us, um, we need someone to sit in and really dictate the play and install and, and really dictate the whole match, its, it's, it's entirety, rather than just our play. Um, but we don't have that really in abundance either. So I think what we're trying to do is put square posts in a circle. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's, it's like nothing's really fitting, and and I think it's going to take a long time. I think if we are going to try and play that style and, and play it from top to bottom, then it's going to unfortunately we're going to have to have hurt. And I think if we go into League One, it's not going to be an easy easy division. Sunderland have seen how hard and difficult it can be. Um, Sheffield United exactly another team. Leicester at a time. Um, Southampton, there's a lot of teams that have spent time and then they've they've had to really dig themselves out of it and claw themselves back up in the in the leagues that probably deserve. But if if anything right now, I'm looking at that team, I'm I'm screaming mid table league one and that's the brutal reality of it. Obviously we're we're doing this live on a Saturday and uh I'm looking at and Huddersfield are getting beat two 0 Charlton are winning and it's just uh it's a it's a bit it's a bit worrying. But anyway, we're gonna move on to Stoke guys. So, if you've got any little points or tips and tricks or anything to help Johnny, we'll get out. Uh, here's your time now. <laughs> Els, do you want to start with the formations? Yeah. Um, so when I was taking a look uh, at Stoke, um, they they have chopped and changed quite a bit, but it seems they've, they've now stuck with a um, a four three three. But what kind of strike me? With that is when we tried to play four three three, we were trying to play it quite narrow and use people like Ashley Fletcher and Marvin Johnson as kind of inside forwards. Um, whereas what Stoke have been doing with um, Inson McLean is um, keeping them quite wide and using them as traditional wingers um, and trying to get the ball into the box. Um, the fullbacks will then help out um, on the wings, so essentially they're creating double ups. Um, and then when you're in central midfield, you've got three. Um, instead of two, so, you know, depending on what we play, if we're playing one when we've only got two in midfield, it, you know, you're, you're outnumbering um, the opposition, so, um, you know, clearly a good formation, we, we've tried it numerous, numerous times, and I don't think we've won a game with it, have we? Probably maybe once or twice, but that's probably a quarter of our total wins, um, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's, they're, they're doing, they're not doing, um, they're not doing great right now, but they they were doing better before the um before the break. Uh, and t- time will tell, I guess. I mean, I'm just I'm refreshing now, and I'm just seeing whether they're still getting beat. They were losing one nil. I think Reading. they are. Yeah, um, one nil down still. Yeah. Um. So it might bode well for us. Um. Slightly, if you know they're coming into the game off the back of a defeat as well. Um. But we've we've got to find a system that works. Um. And whether that means, and I'm not even against kind of chopping and changing for, um, to coming up against the opposition. If you want to change formations to combat whatever the opposition's doing, then then fair enough. Um, but it seems like you just there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it. We're just throwing players on the pitch and being like, oh, where where do they play again? Um, <laughs> so yeah, Stoke. Um, they've won they've won twelve games. Um, drew six, lost nineteen. Um, so they're not. A big drawing team. They they will. It's um. They're gonna. It seems like they're gonna win our draw. Um. Goal difference isn't too bad. And yeah, currently they're sat one point above um us. So, um, big game. 
big is probably uh, not even the right word. It, it feels pretty massive. Um, him and well, that game and Hull are the, the two games that we have to get six points. If we don't get six points, we're down for me. I think after that, and that's it. I can't see us picking up many more points this season either. Um, and I think we're very fortunate we have the likes of Hull, um, who are a sinking ship. Um, you've got probably weaker teams like Wigan, and you know you've got Barnsley and Luton, which I think we're fortunate to have those teams there. But sometimes it doesn't matter who you are; you can still get relegated. Um, but then have you got anything else to add, or you're all good? Uh, yeah, I do. It's just about the general style of play. Um, it'll be a, a physical game. They have the well, they're ranked fifth when it comes to aerial duels. One, they have Sam Volks up front, who's a battering ram. Um, a proper Brexit striker. Uh, you know, their top scorers, Sam Clucas on 10, Tyrese Campbell on 7, James McLean, everyone's favourite footballer, on 6. Uh, their top assisters are Tommy Smith on 4, uh, Nick Powell on 4 and James McLean on 3. Um, I think the issue, probably the biggest issue with Stoke this season is they signed an awful lot of players in the summer, um, a lot of free agents. And they just haven't been able to integrate them into the team. I don't think they've been able to really solidify uh, a consistent team. Obviously, they had those issues with um, Jack Butland, who apparently was broken at the, the first half of the season, uh, made numerous amount of mistakes. I think with that, individual errors have, have cost them. But obviously, they've got Michael O'Neill in charge now. And, um, you know, a good manager did well with Northern Ireland. So I think they probably will continue to struggle this season because I think they've just had such a huge influx of new players. Um, and I think that's disrupted the the spine of the team and the core of the team. Um, but they've got the foundations there to, to be a good side. You know, Nick Powell is a fantastic sign and I think we were linked with him at one point. Um, but they just haven't been able to bed them in. And I think that has been probably their biggest issue um, this season, but yeah, big physical game. I think they're, they're a physical team. I think it'll probably be uh, not a game for the purists. I wouldn't imagine there's a lot of goals in it, but yeah, like you both uh, alluded to, is a, a massive game for Borough. We need to win this one. I think the the thing that worries me the most um, there is that you're saying, uh, you know, the, the fifth best was it for, for aerial duels? Yeah. Um, and I think what we what we trying to do in the first half today was try and dominating that um, aspect of, of play. Um, our only chances were coming from set pieces. Um, and, and you know, you know how, our, how, how our set pieces are. Exactly. Awful. We didn't we didn't get a lot of the, the chances on target. Um, and then we kind of, then we just changed tack again completely. So we, we took off to the two top tall strikers and we like, oh, we'll bring on Fletcher and um, Asambolonga or we'll try and play a completely different style. So it's, that's what I kind of want to know. What are we... What are we attempting to do? Um, maybe mix it up and do pick one, um, pick instead with a Sambalonga. So then if he wins the header, which he was winning a fair few headers, to be fair, Gestead, not in actual creating chances, but um, from goal kicks. Um, and have then a Sambalonga winning on behind it. I don't understand the concept of playing both Nemecha and Gestead yeah. and then Fletcher and, and the Sambalonga. That's what Because then That's in the second half, think... we were trying to play low crosses after that and it just kind of... It's all a bit muddled. You're just changing the instructions. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very weird. Yeah, that's why I felt that Roberts should have played because those runs in behind, if Roberts was sort of in that um, that number 10 position where I think he excels, you know, that would be 
best because yeah like you said Els, you know there's no point in putting Metcher there if he's not going to make those runs in behind you know yeah. uh, sorry beyond Rudy just said because if you play a, a target man like you said you need to, to complement that with somebody who is going to make those runs and I didn't see a single run from Metcher in his well probably in a bur shirt <laughs> to be honest point blank period I haven't seen it well, yeah. he he did do that run where he got booked for, when he was going for a corner and he decided to two oh, the defender. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was mindless. <laughs> he tried to two the defender. Yeah, look, it just... It is it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, I know you mentioned there, Dana, it's not going to be a, a very good game against Stoke, but you, you watch, it'll be a 5-5 draw known as... Uh, <laughs> at least we've scored five goals. We haven't done that in about a few years anyway, so... But anyway, guys, that's, that's pretty much it. And let us... Let's hear your your predictions. What are you going to go for against Stoke? Um, I think the, with what we were saying there, I think depending on the lineup, um, I think if we line up and try and play a different system, if we play with Fletcher, Asambolonga, Roberts, Colson, and Spence, I think we can get something from the game. I think if we line up with the players we started with today, um, I fear a defeat again. Um, Hard to put it down to, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna optimistically go with a draw. I'm gonna say one all, but I'm still fearing the worst. But I'm I'm hoping we can get something from the game because, um, unlike Swansea, Stoke aren't um, Stoke haven't been as good as Swansea this season. So, yeah. Oh, mine. I was thinking one all. It's either. One all or one nil Stoke. I think, like Elliot said, it depends on who we play and what the system is. But I think I'm gonna go one all. Okay, I wanna. I probably say draw as well. I do want to say win, but I don't know where it's gonna come from. Um, but that's pretty much it, guys. So thank you very much as always. And like I said at the start of the pod, um, if you give us five star rating on the podcast apps, it helps us get found. Um, and chatted on the podcast apps and it's just really helpful for you guys as well but Jed if you're listening um, we let us know if you've seen the the board we want to know if you're going to Mancharos because we'll tag along as well um, so that's social pretty, distancing though social social distancing Parmos with Jed Spence has a wrinkle doesn't it really <laughs> does um, okay guys um, my name is Johnny I'm with Dana and Elliot this has been the Board Breakdown podcast thank you very much for listening Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.